love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski here with my co-host Haley Chura. And Haley, it's been super fun for me this week to be watching the media blitz that's been around you taking on the Dopey Challenge in Walt Disney World last or two weekends ago now, I guess. Um, and so I have to ask, like, first of all, this is a two-part question. First, I want to know what does recovery look like in these two weeks or so since um you have finished running a 5k 10k seven mile half marathon and marathon in the span of four days right and then what yeah what, tell us more about I think you've just been doing several podcasts you had a triathlete magazine article and it seems really fun so I am hope you've been like riding a high on this recovery time post OB challenge I I have been riding a high thanks Alyssa I it is it's it's funny to me, but it's also fun, very fun for me because I think, um, I, sometimes when I do like ridiculous things, I get more attention for it. And I'm like, sure there's some <laughs> kind of weird lesson in this, <laughs> but it makes me just want to be more ridiculous. But I, I've been really appreciated some of the attention because I think it is a very fun story. And I loved talking to Sarah Wassner Flynn, uh, with triathlete magazine for the article. And I think that, uh, having those photos that I can just like share. I mean, I give a lot of credit to my friend Shelly, who was like, no, we need the photo pass. Cause you have to buy the photos, but you buy like a photo pass. And I'm probably someone who, you know, when I'm sending it for an Ironman, I check no on like finisher picks, sending them to me. And I'm like, oh, I have plenty, you know, of photos of myself. Like I don't need more. And then I'm like, I do need more. <laughs> so, um, and the Disney ones you definitely need that was money well spent. So I uh, have been enjoying, enjoying that. I think, I think like the two times that I have ended up like in triathlete magazine, like online is when I've run the trials and when I ran the dopey challenge. And so I think that's kind of funny. I don't know if I've ever been in there for being a triathlete, <laughs> but, um, I mean, I'm one of them. I just, I just do some fun things on my running. Uh, but I do need to step up my running in Ironman because I feel like I'm getting all this attention for my running, but then my last two Ironmans, I feel like my run has been a little lacking. So hopefully 2024, this is going to be the year, but, uh, Oh, the other place I got some media attention. I don't know if you saw this, but I heard this, but on our sister podcast, if we were writing, I was oh. like a line item. It was, be, it was be like Haley. It was like an Alyssa, like that was the Alyssa hashtag. I think you came up with that. Well, it was funny because I, I was talking to Matt one night and he was like talking about you, your race or whatever. And so I was like, oh, did you hear those details on the podcast? And he's like, yeah. He's like, if we were writing and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, I was like, do you listen to Iron Women? And he's like, just, I mean, Matt won't lie, right? He's just like silence, right? <laughs> he's like, he's like, I was like, do you download Iron Women? He's like, I download it every week. He's like, but I always listen to if we were riding. He's like, I like that one. <laughs> so that is where Matt Funny. found out some of his details of the Dopey Challenge. 
<laughs> yes, I know. Thank you to to our our co feisties for that shout out. But it has been very fun, and my recovery has actually gone pretty well because, especially the marathon. The marathon word worried me because last time I've run a standalone road marathon was in 2020 at the Olympic trials, and that race like took a lot out of me. And maybe it was the context of having qualified at CIM not that long before, and just that marathon training and that winter was a little bit more rough and everything but I finished that race and it was just pre-pandemic and I I remember talking to my coach and I was like I need several weeks off like I was just like I am so 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 tired do you think two part of differences well one I do think it's probably a little bit different that to run hard in the time leading up to it. Like your body physically probably doesn't let you go quite to the well that you did maybe with like Olympic trials running and stuff like that, but also just like the mental stress, right. And like the difference in nerves and things like that, like I could be making this up, but I imagine you are much more nervous and like mentally just kind of like stressed about an Olympic trials marathon versus the Dopey challenge marathon. Like even if in both you wanted to perform to your goal, right. There is probably a different level like of stress. And I think that takes a huge toll in recovery, just like mentally being ready to go again. It, it, I think you're right on. I was very stressed for the Olympic trials, which I was not going to make the Olympic team. I mean, and I wasn't like my, my place and everything didn't matter that much, but it was a big deal. And I did want to perform well. And there is a lot of hype around that. And then the dopey challenge was a little bit different with it being a little bit more low key, a little bit more focused on costumes and fun and Disney. And I think maybe there's a lesson in that, like that I can take to some of my Ironman races where I do get really worked up. I do get a little bit nervous and maybe like that, I know that nerves aren't necessarily bad and nerves and excitement are very similar emotions and nerves mean you care. But I think that there is something to be said about like taking some of that pressure off and having a little bit more fun and realizing it is wonderful to be this fit and healthy and able to do it. And the outcome, it doesn't define me, which I know we we have people on all the time saying that. And that's like a very big buzzword, but I still believe it sometimes. And so anyway, I do think that has helped me. That has helped me like come out of this a little bit better. Um, my going into it, being a little bit less stressed about it and knowing I wasn't fully prepared, but knowing I have enough background to still put forth a good hard effort and not every single effort when I get on a starting line needs to be like my world's best, you know, effort. So there's, there's a lot of good takeaways, a lot of good takeaways. So it's been a lot of reflection on that, but I did do my very first run since since the dopey marathon, I did it about a week after the race. So it's on Sunday. It is very, very cold here in Montana right now. I think it was like 20 below zero Fahrenheit this morning when I went to the pool, but, uh, so I ran on the treadmill and it was very boring, but I got it done and it was nice. I ran for 50 minutes and I mean, it didn't feel great, but it also didn't feel the worst ever. And so I actually feel like I'm coming around pretty well. I've been respecting my fatigue. There are certain times, and I see this as a coach, where I had a few days where I was like, oh, I could I could do more. You know, like I could definitely do more. And I'm like, no, I trust Matthew for a reason. He said this much. And what happens is that then the next day I woke up and I was like super tired. And I'm like, oh, this is why I have a coach. Because even I would have done too much yesterday and I've been excessively tired today. And I'm like, I need to respect this fatigue, enjoy this week, stay off social media, looking at what everyone else is doing and just recognize I'm following my own plan. 
very obviously with glitter and <laughs> costumes and whatnot, but, um, but also like, I trust that my coach knows what I need, my body needs. We've been working together a long time. And I think because of that, I'm coming out of it pretty well. Yeah. And I mean, I imagine Matthew can read between the lines in your logs to know like mentally too, right? Just like the, I, you know, I don't want to like bang on about this for no reason, but I think that's such an important part. And one of the things that I know I similarly would trust Hillary with in the long, you know, decade that she's been coaching me is that she, like, I don't have to explicitly tell her what my mental state is a lot of the times because she can sense the differences in how I log and like what I'm logging and things like that. Right. And just kind of know, you know, reading between the lines. I think that's like one of the huge perks of having coaches longstanding. Like we have both had, I think in times like this where, you know, not only can you trust them, but you get those like benefits of them knowing you sometimes better than maybe, you know, yourself. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, there are plenty of days when, you know, Matthew does definitely know that I need more rest, but there's plenty of days when he writes stuff in and I'm like, Oh, that's too hard, (laughs) but then I'll do it. And I was like, Oh, he was right. Dang it. So, um, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And so we both live in areas with real full on winter. So I, I, whenever I see my forecast and I see like the five days out and it's like, bitter cold. I'm like, Oh, I'm talking to Haley today. I bet she's experiencing now what I will be getting in that time frame. So how is it? How bad is it? How much do I need to prepare? It's very cold. It is very cold, but I think we know this happens and it usually only happens for a few days each year. And I think I'm in it right now. Uh, for me, it kind of coincided nicely with Dobie recovery because I don't have like any super long runs that would be especially boring to do on the treadmill. I mean, I love the treadmill. I feel like I'm bagging the treadmill in here. I love, love the treadmill, but I usually do a workout on the treadmill. And so to just do like an easy run on the treadmill is not my favorite thing. Uh, and I'd prefer to go outside and even slog through snow. But when it is my limit is usually 10 degrees Fahrenheit for going outside, just because below that, I just feel like it's really like not good for any skin that's showing not good for my lungs. <laughs> and, um, and I'm just like, okay, like let's make some good health decisions these days, Haley. So that's usually my cutoff. But so right now we are below that. I am very thankful that this year, the gym that's like very close to my house is open. Like last year it was closed for renovations this year. It's open. It's, it's busy. I mean, because I think even the ski area last, it was closed the other day. So for it being so, so cold and the wind chill being so cold. So it was busy, but you know, I kind of like a busy gym. I think it's, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm in everyone's way, but that's just my status in life, just being in people's <laughs> way. But, um, but it's just like fun to have other people working out and, you know, it's, it's kind of a happy place to hang out and, and just do some exercise. No, I agree. I have been spending some quality time in the gym because mostly because I can't still really exercise outside, especially in treacherous like conditions like we have. But, um, Haley, I did, I had a small win. I'll share, I'll share my small win of the week. So with my knee recovery, I have been, um, rowing a decent amount. Like I was rowing a lot in December, uh, because the rowing machine kind of was actually really helpful to like practice getting the full extension and the flexion on my knee, you know, and it's like, it's a really hard workout, um, to do rowing. So it was like a great way for me to finally get some sweat going and like get my heart going and like all of that. Right. And it felt like a real good workout when you could be on there for like 15 or 20 minutes at the most. Right. So I was really loving that. And then in January, I kind of have 
diminished my rowing time as I have been able to do treadmill hiking and stuff like that. So I really have only rowed a couple times in January, but regardless, one of the fun things that we've been doing to just give me like some motivation to be competitive with myself at all is these 2k rowing time trials. And I think if anyone out there is a Ooh. rower, like they might know I think, a lot, a lot yeah. of triathletes have a rowing background. I feel like, and like, I mean, the engine that's required for rowing, it's like so much respect to these people. Um, but the, so I think the 2k is like kind of a standard test set for rowers, but, um, you know, Hillary has done orange theory quite a bit. And so sometimes at orange theory, you do like a 2k <laughs> rowing time trial. It's like your little block. And so it's like a, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Right. And so I did this, I think before new year. So at the end of December, I did one and I was 752.7. Okay. So seven minutes, 52 seconds and seven nanoseconds or whatever. So tens of a second. These are called tens. <laughs> so you're a so, math major. I guess uh, it's time math, time math. Yeah. Time math seemed different. Um, so over New Year's, I saw Matt's younger sister, Megan, who rode at Ohio State. And so I made for Megan dig up like all these Ohio State records um, that she had from her time on the rowing team of like what times would make the JV boat, what times would make the varsity boat, like all this stuff for their 2K trials. So I could like have that in my head. Right. So I saw that to get the last seat on the JV boat at Ohio State several years ago, at least I would have had to row a 737. Right. OK, oh, so Megan was far off varsity. Megan was rowing under seven minutes. So I was like, I don't think I can get on varsity, but let me keep trying to do like the JV time. And Haley, this past Saturday, first of all, you, I thought of this because when you said like, you feel like you're in everyone's way, I just feel like I'm like a total scene at the gym some days because I'm always just doing something weird, like different than everyone else. I feel like. Right. And so like, you know, usually at the gym, there's like I'm there at like senior hour. And so all the seniors are just like, you know, nicely pulling on the rowing machine, whatever. And then there's me like hoofing and puffing. And like, you know, I like have my headphones in, so I can't even hear how loud I'm breathing, but I'm sure it's just obnoxious and like, you know, a scene. So anyway, the two K's are really that times a million because basically when you're, when I'm like done with this, it's like, I can get up, I can get the rag to like clean the machine. And then I have to go like lay down in a corner for like five minutes at least. And just like try not to be dry heaving into the trash cans in the gym because I'm like, it's, you know, it's exciting for me at this point. Cause I'm like proud of myself. Like I can get myself to work this hard, like again. Right. Which I haven't had in several months. So again, I'm causing a scene anyway. Spoiler alert, you guys, I'm still not on the JV boat for Ohio oh, State. Oh, you're so, so close. Haley, I tried so freaking hard. My plan was to like go out on pace for sub 740 and then like really just try and hold on. And it was just not my day. So I only PR'd by 0.3. So three tenths of a second was faster oh, on man. this round. But it was a PR. So I like had to remind myself, yeah. like, you know, you went a little faster and I haven't been rowing a lot in the last couple of weeks, but I am like in the back of my mind toying with the idea since I don't have any like major sporting goals for the next six months. I'm like, maybe I should just get a rower, put it in my basement and like really try and do like a rowing plant. <laughs> and then like taper, you can like taper for this yeah, event. Right. And, like, like, yeah. And then like, actually like, proper... really go for it. Yeah. Like, because last some think music ahead of time. Some like <laughs> hype music. Maybe you should dress in a costume. <laughs> I will a photographer. Say... 
I I did queue up um on Spotify. Lucy Charles Barkley shared her like workout playlist. And so that's what I had like going in my ears while I was going. And I was like, this will definitely help me be on the JV boat at Ohio State. <laughs> I mean, I feel like JV boat at Ohio State is still pretty darn good. It's got to, like, I know. And like everyone says under eight minutes is actually like pretty like very legit, right? Like a really good accomplishment. So I do feel proud of that, but I'm like, man, it's like that came, you know, fairly easily for the most part, given my fitness. But I'm like, man, this is like that sports specificity side of things where like now I actually have to buckle down and decide like how bad do I want it? So we'll see. Stay tuned for my uh, rowing saga. But it is fun if anyone out there is injured but can do a rowing machine, send in your 2K time trials, start keeping track. Let's go at it for the spring. This is fun. This is very fun. I love making a scene at the gym. I mean, that is, <laughs> I do feel like I make it like, yeah, when I say I'm in everyone's way, it is, I'm like, oh, I make such a scene, but I'm like, it's, it's the kind of thing where like, when I go to certain restaurants and stuff, I just know I need to like tip well, because I am like, <laughs> if there was noticeable. a tipping jar at the gym, you'd be just stuffing my <laughs> I'm like, thank you everyone for putting up with me. Cause I'll like, I'll do the same thing. I don't know if like noises, but I like, I definitely make some like, yeah, some noises when things are really hard on the treadmill or like sometimes I cry, which also like, it's very, like probably, uh, like alarming, but they're like, don't mind her. She's fine. But, uh, it just happens. Oh, like, that's I'm, funny. They're just happy tears. But um, no, good times at the gym this time of year. You never know what you're going to see. And if you're lucky, it's me and Alyssa. I know. And so speaking of sending things in, you can send in those times. You can also send in your questions, anything you would like Haley and I to weigh in on during this time into our mailbag at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Let's fill up the mailbag. And Give us some stuff to discuss in 2024. Yeah. Tell us about your gym stories. Everyone's <laughs> in the gym right now. You definitely have some good stories. We want to share ours and hear yours. Totally. And Haley, I had a fun chat this week. Do you want to hear who we're listening to for our interview? Yes, I'm actually excited. I know about this one. And this is someone that I have followed on Instagram because we did a race together in 2023. And I am sometimes in shock of this woman's like Instagram posts about her racing and her training. And so I'm very eager to learn more about her. Yeah. So this was really fun. Um, this week I talked to pro triathlete, Olivia, she goes by Liv Dietzel, um, and her good friend and support crew extraordinaire, Lynn Liao. Liv and Lynn recently were in Brazil for the X-Tri Photix Man. And by the way, if anyone, that's another thing you can send it to the mailbag. If we're not pronouncing this correctly, none of us were really 100% sure how it's pronounced. So send that into the mailbag too and let us know. Uh, but they give us the lowdown on that triathlon. Then we get into Liv's story a bit, how she found triathlon, why her motivation is so strong to go on no matter what racing and training throws at her and her love of racing a lot in the season. And you guys coming from me, if I'm telling you it's a lot, it is a lot. So this is a really fun chat. We'll hear more from Liv and Lynn after a word from our sponsors. Happy New Year, Iron Women podcast listeners. For those of you new to the show, we want to tell you about Pillar. Pillar is a sports micronutrition company who have developed products that intersect between pharmaceutical intervention and sports supplements for athletes. The easiest way to describe it is hydration and carbohydrates products that will take you through to the finish line. 
Pillar's mission is to get athletes to the start line in the best condition over and over again. After seeing athletes like 2022 Ironman world champion Chelsea Sidero and 2016 Olympic gold medalist Gwen Jorgensen post about using Pillar to improve their sleep performance, I decided to give Pillar triple magnesium a try. I take it about 60 minutes before bed and I do actually feel like I sleep deeper and recover better. In the same way I love to start my day with a coffee, I now wind it down with a cup of Pillar triple magnesium and recover better for tomorrow's training. If you would like to make Pillar part of your 2024 New Year routine and you're in the US, head to thefeed.com slash Pillar and enter code Feisty for 15% off of your first purchase. For our international listeners, head to PillarPerformance.shop and that's code Feisty for 15% off of all first-time purchases. Liv and Lynn, welcome to the Iron Woman podcast. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. We're excited to be here. And so just for our listeners, a little note, I might bounce back and forth between calling Liv Olivia just for like my brain separating the two names with the L's. So um, don't be alarmed if people hear that. But otherwise, um, you know, if you each could just say like, hi, my name is what your name is, just so our listeners can hear your voices and get that distinction in their head, that would be great. Hi, my name is Liv Dietzel. Hi, my name is Lynn Liao. All right. Thank you. So we're going to jump right in to some questions here. I'm really excited. A lot of our guests in the past, like four to six weeks have kind of been, you know, tuning down the racing and things like that. And it's been looking at it. It's like you kind of did the opposite. You were racing straight through um, this last month and had a big race. I think that you kind of recently returned from Um, (laughs) the race was in Brazil and it is the Fodex Man, which is part of the X-Try World Tour. And it's funny because I really think athletes who race the X-Try races are like, have to be super into the experience, have to be super <laughs> like intrinsically motivated and not into all the extras because there's, it's so hard to find results on these things. Like you're clearly not doing it to have results like posted on something. So, um, but we always get to see these like amazing photos of the experience itself and get like hear about these gnarly races. Right. So I'm super excited to get your <laughs> perspective on this. And so maybe you can give our listeners a little bit of a refresher, um, about what kind of X try maybe is and what sets something like Photix man, you know, apart from a standard 140.6 event? Sure. So all of the events in the X-Try World Series, they're all long distance races, essentially equivalent to the Ironman distance, but they're called extreme races because the conditions, the course, pretty much all the aspects of the race are extreme. So you're kind of taking the support system that Ironman would typically provide away, and you're having to provide that yourself. So you come and you have to have a support person or a support crew that supports you because there are no aid stations. Usually the swim is done either starting really early in the morning, so it's dark. Sometimes it's a really rough, cold ocean water swim with a boat jump. 
usually the bike includes a lot of elevation gain, usually going through the mountains where the weather changes constantly, strong winds, usually there's rain. Um, and it's not uncommon for there to be big sections of road missing where there's gravel or other obstacles that you have to figure out how you're going to maneuver with a tri bike. Um, a lot of steep descents towards the end of the bike. And then the run usually features most or partial uh, trail run with a ton of elevation gain. And a lot of the X-Tri races actually finish with a mountain climb. So you finish on the top of a mountain. So throughout the, the course of the race, you're going from one city to another. So it is a point-to-point -point race. So you're actually traveling 140.6 miles during the day. And you're really out there surviving in the elements you know some of these races don't even have signage telling people that a race is happening you know there's not tracking um sometimes they even tell you you have to have a gpx file for the bike because they don't expect they don't expect that you should be relying on them to tell you where to turn so it's really so just you your support crew out there against nature and are the courses for the bike closed, I'm it's, it's sounding not. So you're you're no. stopping at like lights or, or if there are lights oh, or yeah. like, things like yeah. that. Okay. Exactly. Like I mean, most of the races you have to go over railroad tracks. So if a train comes, you, you gotta stop. You have to kind of just abide by traffic laws because for the most part, it's just you out there in nature and in the yeah, I mean Iron Man is much more of a production and X Try is more of just you surviving in nature <laughs> it's like an well, adventure race right like right. instead of your curated our roads are closed everything is paved we have signs there's spectator this is more like if you think about like the backpacking trail running world of hiking and distance racing this is like you took an ironman and you plopped it down on like the most remote nature <laughs> like on a mountain and instead of biking, you know, somewhere that's paved, it's like, okay, here you are at the bottom of the mountain and you can bike your way up the mountain. And then when you're done with that, you can hike up this mountain to the summit. <laughs> I'm like, you know, this is obviously right up my alley. And I love to hear about all of this. I think this is such a cool challenge that these are presenting to athletes. And uh, I want to hear about how the race kind of went down. But first, Lynn, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your relationship with Olivia and like how you got, you know, I say the word duped. I just joke because I've had crews for <laughs> things before and I always have to dupe people into it and then, you know, may or may not know what they're getting into. So um, can you talk a little bit about how it came to be that you would be crewing for live down in Brazil? Yeah, definitely. We're all laughing over here because it's a funny <laughs> little story. So um, this is the first race that Liv and I have done together. Um, I'm actually very, very new <laughs> to the tri world. I've only been biking and swimming for about two years. And, and before that, I probably hadn't touched a bike in like, I don't know, 15 years and I never swam before. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty new to the scene. She's obviously in a completely different universe than I'm in. But we kind of rub shoulders sometimes with uh, the same folks. Uh, her coach runs a local facility. Uh, SBR that I, you know, I have gone there a few times and it's really funny. We were both at Ironman Wisconsin and she ran a volunteer shift and I had already registered to volunteer for a shift. I live on the course actually. And, um, you know, of course we had been chatting and she was like, oh, I have a shift. And 
somebody had dropped out last minute. I was like, well, I'm wrapping up my shift here. I blocked the whole day. So why don't I just come out and after my shift ends, I'll do your shift. And um, we're in the car together, like doing the cleanup shift. And I'm not usually super impulsive. I mean, maybe people think otherwise when they see my life, but I'm not. I'm a very, I do adventure things. I definitely do a lot of things that people think are crazy, but they're all planned and they're all calculated. But I don't know what possessed me. I mean, we joke about it. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know what happened in the car. She was telling me about this crazy race that she was doing. And I was like, it just blurted out of my mouth, like, oh, what if I came with you to Brazil? Um, <laughs> so you duped yourself into it, is what you're telling us. <laughs> and so I'm like, we're talking about it. We're like getting hyped up in the car. And like five hours later, I'm driving home and I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? Like, I don't know anything about Brazil. Is it safe there? <laughs> like, what is this race? I've never heard about this race before. Who are these people we're going to be with? Like, are we going to disappear? Like, once we get there, like, what's going to happen? Um, of course, we did our research and our due diligence and all of that. But um, as somebody, I think that really appreciates people working really hard. And I think anyone that even knows a little snippet of Liv's story, I mean, there's something about seeing her in action and her drive. I think just her as a person that makes it so that you're just compulsively wanting to help her, including spontaneously going off into a different country in a few months <laughs> to support her in a race. But I, I really do think that her story is extremely compelling and she is such an incredible human. And so it's such an honor. I mean, as somebody that, like I said, she's in a different universe, I don't think with any amount of training I will ever be at that level. And so being able to come along and really help her in a way that I'm able to, I think is such an honor and such a fantastic experience. It's not something that, you know, everybody gets to experience. So I love that. I love that. And sometimes, you know, the, the crew side of things is definitely special in its own right. And like, you learn a lot about yourself in the process of doing that too. So it's rewarding, I think on both ends. And so um, Liv, talk a little bit about how, again, because I have to say, finding out how the race goes down is like very hard to do after the fact. So can you tell us a little bit about how your race was in Brazil? And then Lynn, we'll have you follow that with like the crew perspective. Yeah. So the race starts with, um, a swim in, in a reservoir and the swim is at night. And so you start at four in the morning, it's completely dark, you're in this really remote area. So it's kind of crazy. And you're like exhausted because you go to bed and you really don't sleep because you have to get up at midnight. So you can be there to check your bike in at like 2.30. But it's just incredible. You look like when we started the swim, you look up and the whole sky is full with stars because you have no light pollution, you're out in the middle of nowhere. It's just gorgeous and there's the group of you doing this crazy race and it's a two-loop swim um there's only three buoys they have these tiny flickering lights but you can't really see them because they're so far away um so the swim was like actually pretty challenging just sighting um and swimming is probably my weakness so I just took the swim pretty easy um what really got me during the swim was um the reservoir was actually um, from a river that was dammed up in 2002, they dammed up a, a river to provide water for all of the, the little uh, farming communities in the area. Unfortunately, in order to do that, they had to flood a city. So Nova Venisa is a city that is now flooded. 
in this reservoir covers it. Um, but before they ended up damming up the river and the government paid to build a new city and to relocate all these people, but the people protested them tearing down the church because they were going to tear down the church because the steeple was going to stick out of the water. Um, but the people said it was too important to them because faith is such a, a big um, central aspect to their lives. And so they decided to keep the, the church. And for me, faith has always been the center of everything that I've ever done. Um, and so, and it's something that my dad and my mom, and my dad growing up had really built as a foundation in our family. And so when I swam past that church on the first loop, it just, I got goosebumps because it just made me remember that even when everything else is lost or destroyed, the one thing that I can always count on um, is God and my faith. And so I just got goosebumps during the swim when I swam right past that. I mean, you're like 10 feet from the church. It's pretty crazy. Um, so that was really powerful for me. Um, but yeah, I took the swim pretty easy. Got out of the swim. Um, was in second place for females. Um, got on the bike. The bike was a bit of a roller coaster. Um, between me, be I think I stopped like 10 times on the bike to, to change clothes because I race in a swimsuit because I get really hot. And so there were times where I was basically sweating my ass off in a swimsuit. And there were other times where I was all bundled up in like a rain jacket and gloves and still shivering in like borderline hypothermia because you're going up and down through the mountains. Your elevation is changing. We had clouds roll in. It started raining off and on i mean i think for the main the major climb which is nine miles with four thousand feet of elevation gain in it and during that climb it was pretty much raining and foggy the whole time um you stayed warm because it was like one hell of a climb but then once you got to the top you realized just how cold it was um but i knew at that point my support team had been telling me updates on how far you know Back, that third place girl was because in my in my head my main goal was to try to get top two which would be an automatic qualifier for world championships which is Norseman okay and so I knew I was comfortably in second so I was I wasn't too worried and just kind of held on um when I got to the run I felt really great um I ran well for like the first uh 10 miles had a really strong pace it's a an off-road kind of rolling hills for 16 miles um and then i had some gi fun um which is great um but we worked through that um and then the last 10 miles is like a very steep climb up a mountain and so at that point you're basically power hiking um you might run some of the less steep sections but i mean that it's steep like 20% grade maybe wow. in some mm -hmm. sections. So yeah, it was pretty insane. Um, but in that whole time, like that climb was, I think the hardest part of the bike or the hardest part of the race in general, just at that point, my GI system was totally given up on me, but my support crew were amazing. And so that's really what pulled me through. Like they were blasting music in the car and they took turns uh, hiking with me and that really kept my spirits up when I was like, man, I don't know how much further I can go on like this when I feel this bad. Um, but yeah, once I got to the finish line, that I, it was just totally emotional for me because I, like, I've never been that emotional at a finish line because me and my support crew, like none of us really knew each other that well before we started the race. 
but over the course of like the few days leading up to it and then the race itself we grew so close that we really felt like family and during the race just having them there like really feeling that god had brought us all together for a reason um i never felt that close to god in my entire life and so it was just such a powerful emotional feeling that i was like on the verge of tears i think we all were on the verge of tears we were definitely all tearing up (laughs) (laughs) um and so it just it was so much more than a race it was an experience and you connected not only with your support team but with the other athletes with the media team with the whole the whole organization that put on the race really created this big family environment and so Every time you saw another racer, you really you were cheering for them and rooting them on. And it, it's just so different from a normal race. And so, you know, I thought this was going to be a one and done experience. But now I'm like, now I have to go back for 2024 because I really feel like we have family in Brazil. Oh, that's so cool to hear. And so um, did you were you able to keep that second place female spot? through the yes okay okay so yeah. through the ups and downs of the runs <laughs> I wonder do you think like the I don't know if you typically would have GI distress like that in an endurance event like that but I wonder if those that changing temperatures like back and forth on the bike it sounds like I feel like that would probably weigh into a lot of your stomach just kind of being a little haywire right I don't know if you found other causes or, or anything like that but Yeah, that's what we're suspecting. Um, Just the extra stress on the body. I mean, not only are you like super tense on the bike from the extreme climbs and the really sketchy descents, but yeah, those temperature swings and like shivering violently and then sweating a ton. It's it's really hard on the body. And then on top of that, like a normal Ironman, you know, would take me under 10 hours where this was a 13 and a half hour event. So it's a lot longer time that you're pushing your body. And so I mm-hmm. think sometimes it's hard to to practice for that in training. Um, Definitely. Hit a point where your body's like, wow, you really pushed me to its limit. And now I'm going <laughs> to revolt. But that's yeah, what it's all about, right? Like finding, right. finding that limit. Yeah, exactly. No, definitely. Yeah, I think we really noticed you were starting to struggle really on the run. Like once you were off the bike and you were really strong in that first part of the run. And then, you know, I think oftentimes with the with the try is kind of like that. By the time you get off the bike and you get to the run and the impact kind of catches up with you. Um, I think when we started power walking was when it really became apparent. Like, oh, this is, you know, <laughs> the body's not <laughs> quite happy with no. the changes there. <laughs> And so Lynn, talk a little bit about what it's like, you know, from the crew perspective, it sounds like it wasn't just you, right? So right, tell a little yes. bit more about the team you had and and how you worked together to get this race done for Liv. Yeah, essentially there were three of us. Um, so it was myself, Hobson, and his wife, Jess, and they're just the most, I mean, seriously, Brazil was such a wonderful place to be. I think the people really blew us away. Obviously our hosts were the first ones who, really welcomed us with open arms. They're so generous and taught us so much about the culture, how fun the Brazilian people are, right? Like Liv was saying, like all of the competitors, you see them at the race preview, you see them on the race course and you're cheering each other on. And and then you see them afterwards, right? At the award ceremony. So it really felt so much like a family. And so those other um, two crew members were Brazilian. They, Mm -hmm. yep. Did the race help like match you up? 
Actually, no. yeah, Liv, you should tell them about how you uh, got connected <laughs> this race. <laughs> yeah, so actually this year in August, I was doing Norspan, and it was about two hours after the finish, and we were at dinner, and Robson and Jesse, this couple from Brazil, sat down next to me and my husband. And we got talking to them, and he was like, yeah, I qualified from Fodix Man. It's a, the extreme Ironman in Brazil. And he was telling me about it, and he's like, you know what? He's like, he's like, if you get a flight down here, I will literally take care of everything. He's like, we'll take care of logistics, lodging, transportation. He's like, we will make sure everything is covered for you. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, he says this, but, like, who's going to, like, invite complete strangers into you know, take care of all this stuff for them. Well, like the next day he messages me on Instagram and is like, Hey, I was actually serious about this. And then I'm like, okay, I'll think about it. The next day I get a message from the race director. And he's like, Robson reached out to me and he told me the situation and he really wants to support you. And he really wants you to come do this race. So we'll give you a discounted entry. Trust me, you're in the best hands possible. And so I kind of just made an impulsive decision. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to go to Brazil. It's too good of an opportunity to turn down. I just really felt called to go to do this adventure. And I'm like, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I feel like I need to do it. And so, yeah, that's kind of how we ended up with um, our support team. And that's how we ended up even figuring out this was, this race existed. Oh, yeah, I love it. That's it such a nice story. Apparently it was all impulse and meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and it's, it's been working. He, He's done the race himself, actually, more than once, and he knows the race director. And so I think from a support perspective, it was very, very beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, and his his wife has supported him as well in other uh, similar races. Like So so they're kind of like the pro support crew. Uh, definitely not just me by myself. Uh, it is a lot of work, of course, right, as a support crew, because as the competitor is racing, you're kind of leapfrogging them as you go. And then at the same time, you're leapfrogging them and kind of like running along and handing them whatever, like Red Bull, fuel, water, food, like whatever it is that they want. You're also <laughs> trying to look ahead and look behind you. So you have to be kind of strategic about how you are doing your support, right? Because you can never really be too far from your, your person at any one time. But at the same time, you can't just be in like their little pocket. So you really have to be mindful of what you're watching out for, what data is like floating around in your head. Um, Hapson was able to stay with Liv for much of the course, which is really awesome because then you could tell us, hey, this is what we need. And then the next time we leapfrog them and see them, we were able to hand or take whatever needed to be. And then I also kind of acted like photographer as well. So, so certainly I couldn't have done it by myself. There's no way to leapfrog and track everything and take photos <laughs> and like be running and handing her Red Bull or whatever it is at the same time. Uh, it is a very, very long day. I mean, honestly, all the folks who had a solo support person, and certainly there were people who had a solo support person. You guys are, they're just the rock stars of the world. I definitely, you know, gotta tell you, I, I think I passed out for like 45 minutes in the middle of the day there. I was just, just going to do it. <laughs> My eyes were like, you're done. And I like woke up with suddenly, <laughs> we joke about this because just, Jess and I were in the same vehicle and we were driving along and she goes, Lynn, Lynn, wake up, there are monkeys. And I wake up, where are the monkeys? Let me get my camera. Where's Liv? Like, is she coming up there? And there were, there were no monkeys. Oh. <laughs> but, I, but I was awake for the rest of the race after that. <laughs> so 
Oh, that's uh, that's funny. Yeah, because you, I mean, probably got up at like midnight as well, right? To like help her get ready, get to the oh, start, all, all that stuff. It. So yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it's and like the stress mm -hmm. of crewing, I I fully understand that. I think that's a really yeah. really big ask. And so, um, you know, what would you say, like, Liv? You've now done. You've done a few of these, right? Have you done, you've done Norseman before already, correct? Yep. I did Norseman, um, Patagon Man, and then now Fox Man. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, do you, if people are looking at these X tries, I know, obviously you can't just like jump into Norseman anymore <laughs> these days. Um, so it sounds like this would be a rave, rave review for them to head people to head to Brazil to give one of these a shot, right? Oh yeah. I mean, like I said, hands down, this was the most incredible race experience that I've ever had. Um, however, I wouldn't like tell anyone to just sign up for it because they actually are pretty strict with the cutoffs. Um, you know, with Ironman, they give you 17 hours to finish this one. They only give you 18 hours or they give you 18 hours, Okay. but to put in perspective, you know, a normal Ironman for me, might be in the high nine hour range. This mm -hmm. took me 13 and a half. So, you know, you it's, need to it's, be trained for, right. Yeah, you have to be horse, ready. Okay. Yeah. Right. You have and to be ready. A, and there's a top, right. There's a, a top finish, the black shirt finish. And then there's also a base finish. So if you want to do the top finish, you also have to make the cutoff okay. during the race as well. And to put it kind of in perspective at the end of the race, when Liv had already done all of her swimming all of her like she, they literally biked up a mountain ran like the first half of the run course and now is power hiking up the mountain i hopped out and did a part of that hike with her and her after her gi distress she was power hiking and i was running to take you both with her <laughs> so you do kind of be have to be at a certain level of athleticism to, to survive right well and it sounds like maybe finding a friend that you could crew for too, right? Might be a good way to dip your toes in and see what it is and, and see if it's, yeah, like how you feel about that. Because I do think it's it's obviously a big trip to go and you want to be prepared to have a good successful day down there, I'm sure. And so this run, do you, it sounds like, you know, can you drive the whole run then? Or like, did, did you guys all hike out at the very end and do the last part? Is the finish line accessible by car? How does that work? Um, uh, so the whole yeah. thing is actually accessible by car. Okay. Um, but like the, the first 16 miles of the run are like kind of rolling hills, some off, off road, but still a road you can drive on. Um, and then some are on pavement, then that final climb. So you can drive up that mountain. Okay. So it's a paved road up the mountain. Um, so yeah. So that's so they, different too. Cause I think some of them, you, you have to have a support crew that feels confident in like their abilities athletically to be able to like, you right. know, if you only had one. Right. But it sounds right. like if you had a crew, they could like, it would be a really hard day, right. To be leapfrogging you and things like that, but it could be done with, with one person, you know, able to do small bits maybe, but not the whole thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This race was interesting because you could drive the whole way. I mean, certainly not all the races are like that, right. The ones that end with like a, a power hike the entire way that's on a mountain you you'd either have to commit and go the entire way with your mm -hmm. your competitor or you would just have to meet them at the end this one was interesting because you could drive the whole thing but there were segments that had support restrictions so there are segments okay. where because the road is really really narrow or it's not safe to stop or it's like on an incline and that's something else actually that you have to think about as a support crew what is 
what does good support look like? You cannot pull over in the middle of a climb and expect your person to hop on over and get something and then hop back on. You, you, you cannot stop in the middle of a steep downhill or a quick, down, you know, a long downhill and be like, hey, like, do you want something right now while you're going <laughs> down um, <laughs> on a descent? So there's a lot more of that logistics. But yeah, for this one, there were definitely restrictions on certain places, but you could drive from the bottom to the top, which was super convenient from mm-hmm. a support perspective. It just means that your, your athlete gets more support than, you know, on a course where after a certain point, you cannot see them for X miles or X kilometers. Okay. Well, thanks for entertaining. As you can see, I'm, I'm definitely interested in these events. So that's all like, <laughs> I love digging into it a little bit more. Um, and the fact live that you have said it's one of your best race experiences actually means a ton coming from you because I was digging up race history and <laughs> in just this year alone, which I believe is your first pro season racing this 2023. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I was able to count 15 USAT sanctioned races in where I was like digging things up. So that wouldn't have included <laughs> Tremblant, Norseman, Fodixman, like none of those would have been included in that count, right? So right. is it safe to say that your approach to learning the ropes of pro racing is to like seize every opportunity? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think you're discovering what we all who are close with Liv know, which is that she may or may not contain an extra chromosome that makes her a little superhuman. <laughs> I mean, it sounds that way because you're, you know, <clears throat> looking at these races, they're not all short, right? There's no. quite a few of them are full distance races. And, you know, so I'm counting, let's see, one, two, three. Did you do four fulls? Five, five fulls this year? Uh, seven. Seven. Okay. See, my count is off. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm a woman after your own heart because in my early days of pro racing, I also, I would do five and six. I tapped out at six, I think in my like (laughs) biggest year of pro racing. So, and that was, it was one of, you know, my favorite ways to like just hustle and like learn the ropes and figure things out. And so it sounds like, like though, when you race that much, things are bad bound to be great at times and things are bound (laughs) to go wrong. And I loved the story I saw in your Instagram. Um, It seems like there was like a little snafu at Ironman Florida with your (laughs) shoes. And I was like, I would love you to tell this story because Um, I am so impressed with how you handled this one. um, Let's just start by saying Ironman Florida was just kind of a total mess to begin with. Um, So I don't know if you had heard, but like, Air temperature was a little bit colder than normal, but it was still a non-wetsuit swim for pros. When I got out of that first lap of the swim and hit the beach, I absolutely froze. And so I was the most hypothermic I've ever been in a race, which sounds insane saying you're doing Ironman Florida. You know, (laughs) hours later, I was totally hot and like overheating on the bike. But I got into T1 and I couldn't use my hands. I couldn't talk. Like, I was just shaking violently. I sat in T1 for 15 minutes. And the volunteers had to put my shoes on for me. They begged me to go to the med tent and not go on the bike. I was bound and determined to get on the bike. So I went out. Um, After about 10 miles, I was shaking so violently that, like, I was swerving. I was closing my eyes. I actually got off my bike and just stood there for, like, five minutes trying to decide like okay is this smart for me to continue um eventually I'm just like you know what all right do 10 more miles and if it's not better you can quit and then just whatever 
And so I went 10 more miles. I'm like, okay, it's getting a little better. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to just keep going and we're going to see how it goes. Um, it was a rough bike. Um, even though I eventually did warm up, um, putting down power was extremely hard. I just felt like my whole body had been wrecked from shivering. Um, but I made it through the bike and I got to the run and I was actually having a pretty good run surprisingly with everything else that went on earlier. Um, but then around mile 16, I noticed a weird noise coming from my right shoe. And I was like, is that? And I looked down and like almost the entire bottom of my shoe had come unattached from like the rest of it. Like the base had come unattached. And my first thought is, all right, aid station, duct tape. <laughs> so I went, I ran to the next aid station. I'm like yelling, does anyone have duct tape? And some guy's like, um, I do in my truck. I have to go get it, though. And so I'm just, like, standing there for, like, three minutes just, like, talking to the volunteers because it's like, what else are you going to do at that point? <laughs> um, and so thankful for this guy because he came back. He duct taped my shoe up. Um, and so, yeah, I ran, I ran with my shoe literally held together with duct tape. But I got to, like, mile 22, and all of a sudden I realized – all the water I had been dumping on myself, duct tape was gone and I needed new duct tape. So I was so lucky though. I, it literally happened as I was heading back towards the same aid station. So I found the same guy and he went back to his truck and helped me <laughs> fix it again. But yeah, that last uh, 10 miles of the run were done with duct tape holding my shoe together. And so, you know, what do you think it is like with your mentality where you're, racing is a professional, right? And these things are going wrong. And your thought is not anything other than like how to fix it, right? I mean, is that just you as a problem solver and, you know, refusing to quit or <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so it honestly is like, for me, it's mind over matter mentality. And it ultimately all comes back to my dad. Um, and we'll get more into it when we talk about kind of my story but really my dad my whole life has been my biggest fan and my inspiration um and he had fought brain cancer for six and a half years and so during that time that's actually how i got into doing long distance racing was doing my first ironman as a fundraiser for brain cancer and i started this mind over matter campaign and so that first Ironman, I, my only goal was to finish. I wasn't a strong athlete. You know, I didn't give a crap about the time. All it was was about raising money in honor of him for the cause. And we ended up that year raising over $40,000 for brain cancer. And Mind Over Matter became really my why behind training and racing. Um, and so now I still do fundraisers every year. And, you know, whenever I'm in a race, I'm wearing um, – the mind over matter logo as temporary tattoos on both my quads. And so anytime that I'm in a dark spot in a race, no matter how bad it is, I mean, Ironman Texas, I got stuck in a single gear for 112 miles on my bike. I sat down in, in T2 totally telling myself I was going to be done. I was not going to run a marathon because I could barely even run through transition. And I sat there for like eight minutes, just looking at my legs and I'm like, I can't give up. Like my dad never gave up. You know, he always taught me never to give up. And that's just not what my mind over matter is about. And so I would rather any day take a lousy finish time over a DNF. So. Oh, 
I'm, I'm so glad you shared that story. I think it's just so powerful and, you know, finding that why as an athlete, I think is just the, can be like the crux of someone's career, right? Cause it can be the difference maker in so many situations. And I have no doubt of how proud mm -hmm. your dad would have been watching the duct tape situation happening <laughs> and knowing that was not stopping you. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, let's, let's see, I'm, I'm torn between if I want to share one other like highlight from you from, from this part, because, you know, you said you kind of jumped into Ironman Wisconsin as like a, you know, let's just get this done, do this like endurance feat, right? It wasn't, your mindset wasn't necessarily like track to become a pro athlete or anything, but, um, you know, a month later, you then, back that Ironman Wisconsin up with a 255 marathon, um, I believe. So, you know, <laughs> clearly you are an athlete, even if the Ironman came as kind of a whim of sorts, right? <laughs> um, but so can you tell our listeners a little bit more about like your athletic background and, and growing up, like what you were doing athletically? Yeah. So as a kid, I did all of the sports, volleyball, basketball, soccer, softball, um, but running, endurance, none of that was really my thing. Um, when I was in high school, my gym teacher told me my junior year of high school that I was in all the wrong sports and I needed to try running. Um, so my junior year of high school, I went out for cross country and instantly fell in love with it. Um, I was good, but I wasn't great. Um, and I did cross country and track for the last two years of high school. My first two years were volleyball, basketball, and soccer. Uh, so big change junior year. Um, but unfortunately, I had a really um, unsupportive track coach who um, actually told me that I wasn't worth investing in. Essentially, like, I had started too late. He just didn't want to give me the time of day. Um, I never ran at a state track meet. Um, and then I totally um, just didn't even consider running in college because in my mind, I wasn't a, a good runner. I never would be. Um, my whole life growing up doing other sports, coaches had kind of always written me off because I was too small, not strong enough, not big enough. Um, so I'd really never had a, a coach believe in me. So I really never believed in myself. Um, however, that whole time growing up, my dad always believed in me. And he always had told me like, I know you're a good athlete. I know you have it in you. You have this potential. I just wish you would see it yourself. Um, so he always believed it was there, um, but I really didn't. Um, and so it took until recently for me to finally, you know, believe what my dad had always told me. I kind of feel like I hope that you have printed out like a copy of your USAT pro card and like mail that as a Christmas <laughs> card to that track coach and be like, you know, thanks for nothing, buddy. Um, but the triathlon world is definitely, you know, thankful that your dad kept prodding you and it was kind of the catalyst to get you to find triathlon race Ironman Wisconsin. Was that also, had you been racing triathlons leading into that Wisconsin or was Wisconsin also your first triathlon? I feel like that's a fair question to someone <laughs> like you. Um, I had done some other ones previously, but I didn't really train for them. I just kind of jumped in. So Ironman Wisconsin was like my first like, oh, I'm actually going to like try to like put some training in so I can complete this thing. But when I signed up for Ironman Wisconsin, my longest bike ride was 25 miles. Wow. Okay. So yeah, yeah I was definitely like, yeah, not prepared. <laughs>
And so what about the swimming? Because you haven't talked much about a background there, right? And, you know, I think that you have become a very strong swimmer. I think, you know, you have swum an hour for an Ironman under 30 minutes for 70.3. So what kind of swimming background do you come from? None. <laughs> um, you know, growing up as a kid, we always like played around the pool in the summer. So I always loved being in the water but I did not know how to do any of like the formal, like I never had formal swim training. I didn't know how to do the strokes. And so really my first time like doing any sort of lap swimming was in college. I was training for a half Ironman that was on campus or half, half uh, marathon, sorry. And uh, I ended up getting injured. And so I'm like, Oh, I need to keep fitness somehow. And I had a friend who was a swimmer in high school. And so I'm just like, Oh yeah, I'll go to the pool with you. And I looked absolutely pathetic. She gave me a few pointers to help like get me started. Um, but yeah, it was not pretty. <laughs> but after that half marathon, I decided, yeah, maybe I should just keep some cross training in here. And so that's really how I got started swimming. Well, it certainly worked out very well for you, which is, which is good. Um, and Liv, you know, I'm sure our listeners might be exhausted already by hearing about how much you've raced this year and like, all that you're doing, but I did want to also talk a little bit about um, the high school triathlon team that I believe you founded and coach currently. Um, yeah. And, you know, was doing that kind of like a way, you know, maybe a more productive way than mailing the track coach, <laughs> right? <laughs> a copy of your USAT court card. Like, was that a way to kind of, you know, give back and make sure that, young athletes have exposure and availability to like good coaches and coaches who are supporting their dreams. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. I mean, I got into coaching because, you know, I never had a really supportive coach and I realized the impact that a coach can have both positive and negative on a young athlete's life. And so I really wanted to give um, young athletes the coach that I never had. And wanted to make sure that they didn't have the same experience that I did. I wanted to have, have them have all the, the potential there for the support, the coaching, all of that accessible to them. And so, you know, I really felt blessed with uh, my current coach. And I really felt blessed with all the people who have supported me through my triathlon journey. And so I really wanted to, to give that support back. And the best way to do it is to give it to the future of our sport. And so I figured like this had been kind of a, a dream of mine for a while, um, but this is like really when I was able to make it a reality and I'm so thankful for it. And I'm so thankful for the kids that decided to go out for it because they are incredible athletes, but they're also incredible humans. And, you know, I was very nervous the first practice because I had five kids coming from five different schools in two different states. And I'm like, is this going to be really awkward? Are they going to talk? Like, how is it going to go? And by the end of practice, I was literally like telling them, hey, practice has been over for an hour and we're getting kicked out. You need to leave because they were talking and it, they just really became a family. And to them, it was, you know, this was something for them to own and they could really support each other through it. And I think it really brought them together in a way that maybe their normal high school sports didn't. And it was just really cool to see. Oh, I love that. And, you know, thank you for doing that. I think 
getting like Haley and I talk to a lot of the NCAA triathletes and stuff. And so seeing it grow in colleges is so cool. And I think exactly what you're doing is helping like boost the sport from the bottom up, which is just, it's so amazing to see. There's so much change happening and it's making triathlon so much better. So thank you for doing that. Um, we're going to have to have you back for like part two, I think at some point, because I feel like there's a lot more we could dig into, but we'll let you keep going to your activities. And in the meantime here, you know, Lynn, you mentioned that you're newer to triathlon. Um, do you have races picked for 2024? Are you heading to support live anywhere? Are you waiting until, you know, the impulse falls out of the sky this is gonna if this makes it into the podcast my coach is gonna have to keep he's gonna keep me accountable yes. I, I, <laughs> um yeah Liv and I are very similar maybe that's why we get along very well <laughs> um yeah so uh she has graciously invited me to come to the world championships with her so I I am planning to go to Northman with her and reprise that role. Uh, and uh, we are talking about going back to Brazil. It was such a positive, wonderful experience. And we missed our Brazilian family already. Um, <laughs> for me, I actually have just come through a bunch of really big life changes. I just got married, bought a house, moved, started a new job. I ran my first marathon, uh, tried to swim and mount the high point of Montana. Anyway, Ooh, a bunch yeah. of things all this year. Uh, and I am newer to triathlon. I have completed uh, half Ironman already as well. So I kind of have come through a couple years of uh, going a little crazy. And I'm sure my coach has been shaking his head at me this whole time. And I, I did tell him, I was like, look, come here. I just want to focus on short form, kind of going back to my roots and focusing on building that threshold and base and getting stronger, a little faster again. And of course, what a great opportunity for me to stick to those goals and keep me honest, uh, because supporting someone else is certainly also a really good endeavor and it'll, it'll kind of keep me focused on doing those shorter things and not spending all of my time training for the next big, long, long thing. Uh, so yeah, I think that's I, 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 super I have smart. To, and like, I, I think that's the best way to do it, right? Is to not yeah. always be pulled into chasing, mm -hmm. right? Like the elusive life treadmill that we're all on. Yeah, so to speak. it's yeah. hard because there's so many great things out there. And it's always like, ooh, but what about this? What about this next mountain? And what about this next race? And I have to put in a plug here, shameless plug. Liv mm -hmm. is also a race director. So she runs a little triathlon nearby called the Mind Over Matter Tri. So I do plan on... Uh, participating in that and bringing it entourage. Uh, that being said, I am relatively involved in our local tri-community here in Madison, Wisconsin. So I do plan to participate in the Wisconsin Tri-Series, uh, but probably only at the sprint distance. <laughs> I love it. And I'm a huge Madison fan. I think Ironman Wisconsin is always one of my favorites that I tell people they have to be doing. I love that town. I've had some amazing homestays in Madison. It's just such a great place. And um, okay, so Liv, now tell us about Mind Over Matter Triathlon, when that is, and what what distance is it? Yeah, so the Mind Over Matter Tri is a fundraiser triathlon. All the money we raise goes to the University of Iowa Hospitals for their brain cancer research in honor of my dad. Um, this year will be the second year of it, so last year was our first annual. Um, and last year, we just did a sprint distance. This year, we are adding a kids' try. So on Saturday, June 29th, we will have a kids triathlon. 
And then on Sunday, June 30th, we will have a sprint and Olympic distance triathlon. Wow, that is growing already. I'm so excited for you to do that. And that, where's the location for that? So it's at Coconut Cove RV Resort, which is in um, the very southwest corner of Wisconsin. It's called Hazel Green, Wisconsin. And so you'll see some of our uh, high school tri-team racing at that race. Um, you will see me probably in a cow costume as a race director. <laughs> and anyone who does it will have the option to uh, slip and slide through the finish line like they did last year. I love it. I love it. We will link to that in the show notes for sure. So people can check that out more. And then for your own racing live, maybe just like the first half of the year, because I feel like the list could be really long or something. Right. <laughs> so do you have, you know, any, any immediate plans for racing here in the short term? Yeah, we have, you know, Ironman just came out with a schedule through, um, I think the end of August now for pros. And so the beginning of my year will actually start in February. So one of my homestays from Clash Miami last year invited me to come just chill and train for a couple weeks in Florida. So I'm going to hit a couple of like more local races end of February, beginning of March um, down there. And then I'll start with my first big pro race as um, 70.3 Oceanside. Then I will head to Ironman, Texas. Following Ironman Texas, I'll do White Lake Half and Chattanooga 70.3. And then in June, my plans are, depending, I'm waiting to hear if I got a slot again to escape from Alcatraz. If I do, I will absolutely do that one. If not, I'll go to a 70.3 Boulder. And then um, Challenge Roth is in July, which I'm really excited about. And uh, just got coach's approval to uh, hit 70.3 Swansea on the way home from Roth. It's like the next weekend. <laughs> nice. A good double there. Yeah. And then the next weekend is Ironman Lake Placid, which my coach also agreed to as a training race. So we'll see if that's actually a training <laughs> race or not. But um, and then I actually get a week off because my brother's getting married, which I'm really excited about. Um. And then the next week is Norseman. Wow. Okay. Holy and, moly. Yeah. Yes. And then I'm hoping to hit um, Ironman Canada at the end of August. But after that, it's kind of who knows what, um, because they haven't released most of the pro schedule, um, other than I'm hoping to get back to Man in December. Well, I'm super excited because I know with that list of races, our listeners will be out and about at many of them. And so hopefully they will be cheering for you. And um, just, yeah, getting to play an important, like watching you on this journey, which I think is so <laughs> special and it's so inspiring. So um, thank you both for taking time to talk about the X try and your story. And I can't wait to see what 2024 has for the both of you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Alyssa, Amino Co. has been a longtime podcast sponsor, and every time I'm listening to the show and I hear our Amino Co. ad, I'm always shocked to hear how Amino Co. co-founder Dr. Robert Wolf has run a marathon in under two hours and 30 minutes, 62 times. I just can't believe that's a real stat. Me either. It is very impressive, and it gives me a lot of confidence Dr. Wolf knows what he's talking about when it comes to performance and recovery. I actually took AminoCo Heal before and after my recent knee surgery. 
I've been using heel a lot after really big workouts as I've started to ramp up my training. And I also use my personal favorite, AminoCo Perform, before and during my hardest sessions. Do you have a favorite flavor? For Perform, I definitely go with the strawberry lemonade. It has a really light flavor and a little bit of caffeine that I think helps keep me focused during my really tough intervals. And for Heal, I like vanilla. I just feel like vanilla gets me into recovery mode. What about you? The vanilla heel is my favorite too. I find it mixes really well into my post-workout shakes that I make. Wait, what do you put in your shakes? Well, oftentimes just whatever I have in the fridge, sometimes vegetables, sometimes collagen, you know, whatever I have. Summer shakes are way more interesting because it's like I make them cold, but the winter shakes are a little less fancy. Do you ever add snow to your winter shakes? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start doing that now. I don't know, maybe make sure it's clean snow. I am not quite as fancy. I just add water. It, I think it still works pretty well. But uh, well, however you like your Amino Co, you can rest assured that in clinical trials, muscle protein synthesis from exercise more than doubled by athletes using Perform and Heal was shown to trigger muscle growth and repair better than other high quality protein sources. Head to aminoco.com slash ironwomen to see very large photos of me and Haley using Aminoco products. Then select your favorite products and use code ironwomen for 30% off at checkout. First time purchases also come with a free gift. That's aminoco.com forward slash ironwomen and code ironwomen for 30% off. All right, Alyssa, I'm like starting to swim more again. And I feel like you were swimming a lot last year with, oh, with one water. And how did you keep your hair from getting so destroyed? I was swimming so much last year. And I used to try hard, Kelly, and I still swear by it. They have extensively researched this problem and created a superior vegan, dermatologically tested proprietary blend. Try hard has shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more stuff. Everything you're going to need for your pre and post swim necessities. I've also seen that top pros like Chelsea Sodaro and Lucy Charles Barkley also praise the effectiveness of Try Hard. I think it's like definitely changed how good I feel just coming out of chlorine. And we have a code right now too for anyone who wants to try, you know, <laughs> try Try Hard and stop suffering from dry, itchy skin, having their hair get all, you know, green, which happens to me because mine's like super blonde and get all beat up. You can try any of the Try Hard products with the code 20FEISTY, that's 20FEISTY, for 20% off store-wide at tryhard.co. So that's 20FEISTY for 20% off at tryhard.co. Haley, the triathlon that live race directs mind over matter triathlon. It's officially open for registration. There's a youth triathlon, a sprint and an Olympic option as well. And Haley rumor has it, there's a slip and slide into the finish line. So I know you were too fast to get on the Everest roller coaster. That was the roller coaster, right? At Disney. But what about a finish line slip and slide? Would you do it? Okay. I feel like before Disney, pre Disney, Haley, would have said no. Like, no, no, no. I'm too serious. I'm too focused. Post Disney Haley is embracing the fun. And so <laughs> now I think maybe I would. I mean, I kind like, I mean, 
if it's warm enough. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I worry about is like injuring myself on a slip and slide. I just like, you know, I'm very built for straightforward movement and that might be a big ask, but if I was able to like, you know, really steady myself, hit that slip inside right at the right angle. Yeah, I'd do it. How about you? I know. I know. I will say I don't have many regrets for my triathlon career, but if I was to make a list of them on that list would be not doing the slip and slide at Eagle man when it was there. And so that they had a, a slip and slide at Eagle man, not at the finish line. And it was not oh. official. It was like on someone's lawn every year. And it was like, it was a officially an unofficial part of Eagle man. Okay. Right. And so I will say that that was one of my regrets is that like, I never did the slip and slide. And I always would like think about it. And I always wanted to like, I, I wanted to. So like, I, but I just couldn't get up the nerve, right? It wasn't even a worry about it. It wasn't a good worry other than like embarrassment or like being self-conscious, right? So I would totally do this slip and slide at my Nova Matter Triathlon. I think it'd be really fun. Wow. Um, I do think in Coeur d'Alene last year that someone in their yard had like, I don't know if it was a slip and slide or like something. And there was a part of me, I was having a slightly rough time and I thought about just like laying in it, you know, just to like cool off and just like lay there. But I was like, if you do that, I'm not getting back up. No, (laughs) that's the other problem. I think it's just like in Ironman, it's like everything, every molecule in my body just needs to be like forward movement. And even when I'm coming down the finish line, sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So, and I mean, you saw me at PTO when I didn't quite make it and I fell. So I'm like, (laughs) it's never a guarantee, but, um, but maybe in a shorter race and maybe again, post Disney Haley might do it. So it's cool that that's an option. I love it. I love it. But for anyone in the Midwest, we are putting the link to sign up for mind over matter triathlon in the show notes. So keep an eye out for that. And keep an eye out for a li- for live at every single race this year. <laughs> yes. Yes, that too. Uh, all right, Haley, I hope you get a few degrees warmer out there in Bozeman and keep recovering well from Disney. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye, Alyssa. You've been listening to the Iron Woman podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Atitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.